with a grateful heart Give thanks to the Holy One Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son Give thanks Amazing I'm going to welcome uh, Ethan Moria to come and read the scripture. Psalms chapter 18, verse 1 to 20. It says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield the power that saves me and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. The ropes of death entangled me, floods of destruction swept over me. My grave wrapped its ropes around me, death laid us up in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He had me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountains shook. They quaked because of his anger. The smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. The dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, filling his approach with dark rain clouds. Thick clouds shielded the brightness around him and rained down hail and burning coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded amid the hail and burning coals. He shot his arrow and scattered his enemies. Great bolts of lightning flashed and they were confused. Then at your command, O Lord, at the blast of your breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence. Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. Jeff, come on. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. But some of you have counted your blessings and still don't act surprised. Sorry if that sounded offensive. I'm here not trying to be judgmental, but I'm here to say that giving thanks is quite fundamental. You see, how hard can it be to say a six-letter word, thanks? Maybe saying thanks isn't as easy as we think. Try picture this scenario. Okay. Jesus set his hands on ten lepers, but only one came back to say thank you. Maybe that one leper understood that unthankfulness is a worse disease than leprosy. Maybe he understood that thankfulness is not a form of payment, but a form of heart expression. 
Maybe he understood that thankfulness was not a form of payment, but a form of gratitude. And maybe that changed his attitude. You see, most of us get angry at God when he doesn't give us what we asked for. How different is that from giving God a to-do list? You see, most of us don't recognize that the things that the Lord has done are more than the things we think he needs to get done. In short, all I'm just saying is that there's more to give thanks for than more things to ask for. Take a minute. Think about all the great things that you've gotten. Do the math, and you'll see that my calculations are right. And to summarize this whole pep talk, I'd like to leave you with one fundamental quote. If you leave tomorrow with only the things that you are thankful for today, what would you have? If you would live tomorrow with only the things you're thankful for today, what would you have? Brothers and sisters, 2019 has gone by so quickly. It looks like yesterday when we were here ushering in 2019. As we come to the end of the year, I know that if you are like me, you have encountered challenges as well as victories. You have moments, you've had moments of plenty as well as moments of little. You've had moments of sorrow and moments of joy. You've had moments of laughter and thus of pain. We can write journals about 2019 and do a stroke taking of our gains and our losses. But the fact is that we must look back at 2019 in reference to God's faithfulness. The children of God who lack looking behind in gratitude to God are selfish. And as Jeff has said, they are a to-do list for the Lord kind of believers than anyone else. Amen? It is strange that the Bible discourages us from looking behind. As a matter of fact, if you do a research, most of the scriptures that talks about you looking behind in the Bible are discouraging you about looking behind. Remember Lord's wife who turned and looked behind to their lovely city and what was happening in that city that she was going to miss. She turned into a pillar of salt. The Bible is so clear. Jesus says that he who puts his hands on the plow, all right, and looks back, is not worthy of what? 
the kingdom of God. But it's amazing that when it comes to thanksgiving, it is impossible to give thanks if you don't look through your rear view mirror. Basically, God is telling us that the only time we are allowed to look behind is when our focus is on God. Amen? Not on the pain. Not on what we've lost. Not on what we lack. Not on what could have been that was not. Because as we know, it is only God who has power to change our past. The Bible records that he forgives all of your sins. And more than anything, the Bible says that if you come to Christ, you are therefore a new person. The old is gone. Everything is become new. Taji, good to see you. Has the Lord been good to you? Amen, amen, good to see you. So the Bible tells us that only God has power to forgive sin. Only God has power to take away your yesterday. So if we look behind, apart from our focus on God, what happens? We set ourselves up like Lord's wife to remain in the prison of our sins, to remain in the prison of unforgiveness, to remain in the prison of anxiety, to remain in the prison of fear. And all these prisons only breed sickness and disease that you have no power over. Amen? I'll tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, don't look behind, but focus on God. Are you talking to your neighbor? If they are not talking, let me be like Pastor George and say, look for another neighbor who will talk to her. All right. <laughs> so the memories that we are allowed to collect are those memories of God's faithfulness. If you're writing today's sermon, it's titled Memoirs of Gratitude. So if you're writing, that is a title of the sermon. It is in these memories that we remind ourselves of who God is and who we are. If we don't focus on God, the only outcomes are two. We focus either on ourselves and our strength and what our strength can provide. If you're writing, write this. Any achievement in life has potential to magnify God or you. Every achievement we achieve, you achieve in life can either magnify God or magnify you. The Bible is full of examples. David, a man after God's own heart, there is nowhere in the scripture where you see David ascribing glory to himself. But we also have examples of people who believed in their strength even when the Lord had done it for them. Example, King Saul goes forth to fight the Amalekites. 
He wins victory. When he comes back, the Bible records, the first thing he did was to build a monument for himself. Now we know the end of it all. The Bible says he was rejected by God, okay? We all know King Nebuchadnezzar, who after one day when he's standing on the rooftop, says he looked on Babylon and says, my mighty hand has built this. We know the end of the story. So any achievement in life can either magnify you or magnify God. The attitude of thanksgiving is a difference maker for the believer. If we are grateful people, then we know who has accomplished for us. As we look on 2019, we know whose hand has prevailed to make us who we are today. Brothers and sisters, our struggles with giving is directly proportional to the understanding of this simple truth. If my hand has worked for it, amen, I know my boss, he's a mean man. I have put up with him the whole month, alright? Or a mean woman for that matter. So whatever comes from there, my hand has brought it to me. It will be very hard for you to be a giver. Can we speak the truth? Uh, say amen. Can we speak the truth? Our struggles with praise and worship goes back to the same attitude of thanksgiving. Praise and worship, the difference is so simple. It is little. Praise is thanking God for what he has done. Amen? And worship is thanking God for who he is. Irrespective of what he's done or not done. If Pastor David has no shoes on his feet, Worship is going before God and saying, thank you that I have feet I can walk. Not shoes. But praise is thank you Lord when I was facing my enemy you came through for me. Amen. That is praise. Now our struggle in praising God, what let me tell you the biggest challenge I ever have in church is understanding why we don't clap our hands. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't need to offend anyone, but worship and praise is verbal. Uh, we meditate on the goodness of God. Uh, he's good, all right. Do we do that? Worship is verbal. You express it, you say it out aloud. He's good to me, and you don't care about your neighbor. David says, in the midst of the congregation, I will sing of your faithfulness. Oh, hallelujah. Now, you know, when we go to other quarters, it's easy to understand than in church. They normally say, if I ask a question, Pastor David, three frogs are on a log. One decides to jump. How many frogs are left on the log? Pastor David says three. Why Pastor David? 
It decided, but it didn't jump. So either way, okay, it didn't judge. It didn't jump. It decided. There are three. Say one decides I'll jump. How many are left? So the assumption is that it jumped. No, it just decided. Now what's the difference with you coming to church or I coming to church and people are praising and just think, oh, God is good. And I don't say it. Is there a difference? It's the same thing. So our struggle in praise is simply because there is nothing I can look back and say God has done. Amen. Because everything I'm checking back, I did it. Passing exams, I read all through the night. Oh, oh yeah, this one I did it too. By the way, hey, it was a hard one, I did it. So there is nothing you can say God did for me. So you can't praise him. And in case you praise him and tell him what is not done, you are lying. So you are lying in church. Oh, okay. Sorry. You see, if I say God has delivered me, and I actually can't trace what he's delivered me from, did he deliver me, Pastor George? So who am I lying to? To God and myself. Hey, amen. I hope I'm preaching good. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Our struggles with helping others, serving in church. Now, if God has not been faithful, do you see a need of serving another man, really? No. Actually, you feel like you're entitled to receive the service. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. <laughs> Thanksgiving is a choice and an attitude that one can never be taught. It is an overflow of the Spirit of God in you and me. Amen. It is the Spirit of God in you and me that pushes us towards worshiping God. He teaches us the truth on who God is. And once we look and see, this is who God is. This is who I am. This is what he's done. This is what he will do. We were moved and we will be moved to give praise. Amen? I believe so far, your minds are running now. You know the many things that God has done for you. The Bible is God's voice to humanity, but it is also a collection of memoirs for the posterity to learn of his faithfulness and care. Amen? If in your home you never give thanks, it is impossible for your child to give thanks tomorrow. As a matter of fact, let me suggest, the problem with our nation today is not sin. Ha. Say amen. It is ungrateful people. All the leaders we have, amen, it is not that they are sinful. Actually, we have elected some of them who know Christ. Have we done that? But what happens? It is because we are ungrateful. And the leaders we elect are also ungrateful. So now, instead of serving, amen, because they are ungrateful, they don't see nothing God has done, nothing he has provided, what is the opportunity? To get for 
themselves. Now the funny thing is this. If you don't give thanks, it is simply because you always desire what someone else has that you think you should have. Amen? But there will always be someone with something you don't have. So it means you'll keep stealing. And as you steal, someone else is richer again. Oh, I don't have that one. You keep? That's a reality. So we are ungrateful society. Amen? God desires us to be grateful people. Luke chapter 17 from verse 11 to 19. We know the story about the ten lepers. And Jeff talked about it. This story teaches us on the expectation of God on his children. The Bible records that they came ten. They were crying out. And we all know the story. They were not allowed to be among other people. So I'm assuming they are sitting afar, shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. So Jesus turns and tells them, go show yourself to the priests. Alright? So the Bible records they go. And as they are going, they realize, oh, we are healed. Alright? And the Bible says only one of them, a Samaritan, came back. To say thank you. And because Jesus, we believe is God, alright? He asked, didn't I heal? How many were they? Where are the nine? So which means, if Christ is God, he expected all of them to come back and say thank you. Alright? Look at this scripture. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now, I want us to agree on one thing. That entering a gate means you're seeking audience of the person who lives beyond the gates. Alright? Is that true? Is that true? Now, the Bible says the only way you make it through the gate Okay? Is with? Oh, church, I wish you would speak to me. With? Thanksgiving. So, which means, if you are an ungrateful person, actually, you never speak to God. Am I lying? Am I lying, church? If you can't get through the gate, how will you speak to him? It's impossible. Amen? So, thanksgiving is so powerful unto a believer that it opens a way into the Lord's presence. Psalm 95 verse 2. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. There is no way you will praise God if you are an ungrateful person. Psalm 107, I love this one, 21 to 22. Let them praise the Lord for his great love, for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Psalm 116, verse 17. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. 
Ephesians 5.20 And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to define thanksgiving, I would define it in two ways. The first one, acknowledging that God is right through all the faces of our lives in praise and gratitude since he's sovereign and knows what is good for us. Second definition, being grateful, not necessarily in reference to God. I'm grateful to be alive. Alright? Now we hear that mostly. Are these ascribing it to God? No. I'm grateful for having met you today. I'm grateful to have helped someone. Is it referring to God? No. Now most of us, when we come to God, we use the second definition. Is God sovereign in your life? Really? Now, David, a man after God's own heart, teaches us the power of thanksgiving. In Psalm 18, we've read it, and Ethan has read it clearly unto us. Now, amazingly, that is the only portion of a scripture that appears twice in the Bible. A full psalm, save for the first verse. 2 Samuel, chapter 22. From verse 1, it is the whole thing. Copy paste to Psalm 18. Now in this particular portion in Psalm 18, there is a new addition. And the Bible refers why there is addition. It says that this song, David sang it. Why? Because the Lord had saved him from all his enemies. Now how many enemies did he have? Many. How many years was he a king? So the Bible is recording that David kept updating his thanksgiving list. Uh, amen? As he woke up every day, he kept updating and saying, the Lord has done this. The Lord has done this for me. Now, in Psalm 18, the Bible says he has updated it by, let's look at it. Let's go there to Psalm 18. we we'll look at it and see what the Lord has done for this mighty man of God. The Bible says, first of all, I want us to pay attention to the title. For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord these words, these songs, when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Now the first thing there, David acknowledges, and this is the problem we have today. I mentioned about our leaders. David is a king over the Hebrews. But David does not mention that this is a psalm of David, the king of the Hebrews. He says it is a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah? Uh, church, am I stepping on toes? Hallelujah? Now, if we don't recognize God as our sovereign king and us as servants to the Lord, it is impossible to give thanks. Amen? We love titles. And I love those titles, I tell you. If I was king, I would really love it. King Dennis. That would really be good. But these titles... 
can easily make us forget the assignment of the one who sent us on earth. These titles can glorify us and we forget the assignment of the one who sent us here on earth. I'm doctor so and so, teacher so and so, mentor, life coach so and so. We love these titles. Pastor, Pastor David, alright? We love these titles. Bishop, apostle, what other than? Prophet. <laughs> We love these titles. But David is teaching us that these titles can actually glorify you to take the throne of your own life. Amen? So God has called us to be servants. David lived as a man on assignment. And his assignment was to serve the Lord. Amen? His assignment was to serve the Lord. The Lord has given us wives, husbands. Now, if I'm a husband first, there is a problem. I need to be a servant first of the Lord to serve his interest over my wife. Huh? Am I speaking the truth? If you are a wife, you should say amen because I'm speaking. <laughs> but it also applies vice versa. If you are a wife first, other than a servant of the Lord, you will never serve God's interest towards that man in your life. It all goes back to being a thankful person. And David was clear in that. Do we ever wonder why God calls him a man after his own heart? Do you ever wonder why God fought for him? Do you ever wonder why he says his enemies were vanquished before him? It's because he said, you are the, on the throne. You are the king of the Hebrews. I am your servant. <laughs> Amen? Now, Psalm 18 is interesting because verse 1 to 4 is David's resolve and choice to be thankful. It is interesting because he says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. But now to expound on that, when you skip to verse 29, this is what he says. In your strength, I can crush an army. Now, amen. <laughs> So David says, the Lord is my strength. That's verse 1. But in 29, he tells you how that God is his strength. Amen? He knows his first enemies. But he's saying, with your strength, what can I do? I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. Amen? Now, what walls are closing you in? Uh, hallelujah. What walls are closing you in? David is saying, if I recognize my place, if I know I serve the Lord, if I am grateful, then my God will make me scale any wall that is placed on my... Oh. Hallelujah. 
he goes on and says, My God is my rock, and in him I find protection. Now can you look at how now he talks about that rock? He says that the Lord has turned his feet like the feet of, of a hind or a deer or for that matter, all right? He says he can scale mountains. You've seen those goat, uh, mountain goats. You've seen them. Huh? They are fighting. One is up and the other one, but they are still fighting. And one is falling. That's, that's what David... Oh. Are you seeing the picture David has? He's saying even on that mountain, even on a slippery path, the Lord has an ability to make my feet not slip. When you read through the psalm, that is what he's saying. So in the first place, he introduced it by saying he's resolved to praise him. But now he's telling us why he's praising him and why what God has done in his life. From verse 4 to 19, he now speaks about how wonderful his God is and the mighty things his God can do. He says that this God, with a blast from his nostrils, the sea can part... Oh man, are you seeing what David is doing? The power of thanksgiving. From verse 20 to 28, he goes on defense of God's actions. In case you may accuse my God of having done a wrong thing, let me tell you, by the way, I am blameless in his sight. But we all know that it's only by faith in Christ that we are blameless before God. So when God is fighting for you, it is not that, oh, how do I put it? It is not because he favors you. No, no, no. It is because of what Christ has done already for you. Amen? So he fights for you. Verse 29 to 45, he keeps on now reflecting more. He's looking back, finding some more reasons to praise this God. Verse 50, the future triumph for the future generation. If we are not grateful today, Pastor George, your son will never be grateful tomorrow. So what secret did David know? What is the importance of thanksgiving? Number one, we've already heard this, that thanksgiving is the only way into God's presence. Psalm 100 verse 4, that one we've talked about. Number two, thanksgiving keeps us humble. Amen? It keeps us because it, you either will receive the glory or God will receive. Now in thanksgiving, you humble yourself to know it is God who's done it. Amen? Do you believe God will do it for you? Even in that situation that seems hard, believe and God will fight for you. And when he fights for you, please remember to be humble. I am a singer. I love to sing, man. And sometimes when I sing and people come, man, you have a wonderful voice. I remember once I met a guy, uh, we were, I was in a concert somewhere, and I met this guy from Uganda. So after singing, he comes to me and says, man, my friend, you have gold to here. You have gold to <laughs> Can you imagine what that can do to you? Pride. So thanksgiving keeps you in check. You remain humble. Number three, thanksgiving magnifies God. It is not hard to take the place of God in your life. Just start by having an argument of who owns what, who worked for what, 
and you will ascend to the throne of your life. <laughs> Amen? Once you start having that argument, I guarantee you will ascend to the throne of your life. Thanksgiving pleases God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says that it is the will of God that we give thanks. Amen? Now two places God talks about his will. Number one, he says that it is the will of God that all men will be saved. And again, it is the will of God that all men give thanks. Thanksgiving reminds us of the power of God, the power of prayer. The Bible says he called upon the Lord and he says that the Lord parted the heavens and came down. Amen? Thanksgiving makes God leave his throne to come for you. And as I said in the first service, if you make God your first business, he will make you his first business. Oh, amen. I wish someone said amen. Number six, thanksgiving lights up joy in our hearts. Psalm 28, 7, you'll go read at home. Psalm 50, 14 to 15. Thanksgiving sets a platform for the supernatural to happen. Hey, amen? Amen? Let me tell you this. There is nothing that throws the devil off. Like thinking he's done his best. And yet he sees you, Pastor George, once more, praise God still and thank him. He's thrown into confusion. Amen? He's thrown into confusion. You remember the walls of Jericho? After they have circled for those days, the Bible says they broke forth in praise. Alright? Now for the guys in, inside, they're thinking, these guys are crazy. So they are cheering the walls up. I thought they've been marching and we've seen nothing. Alright? The enemy gets confused. Amen? Thanksgiving stirs up, stirs up our belief for future victories in God, both for our generation and the future generation. Jeremiah 30, 19 to 20. Now, brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. We are people on an assignment. Now, God has given us, each and every one of us, an assignment. The person who gives the assignment has a time limit when the assignment should be done. Amen? Is that true? Is that why uh, teachers mark our books? Is that why exams, you're given two hours to do your mathematics and the teacher cannot add on that? Because it is an assignment that you must accomplish in two hours. Alright? Now, most of us, we live like we have eternity. I remember before I came to Christ, I used to tell guys when they come to tell, man, you're still young. And I used to say, no, no, no. I think for me, I'll live up to 65, then come to Christ. For God is interfering with my lifestyle for now. Alright? But who gave me assurance that I'll live up to 65? The person who gave you the assignment will call you whether you like it or not. When the time limit for the assignment is done. That's the reality. May God remind us of our assignment. May we come to him in thanksgiving. 
Some of us, God has blessed us. You are serving in the house of God. Then God opens a door for you to go do masters. Now you come and tell us, uh, now God has opened a door for me to do masters, so I'll stop serving. Does it make sense? Can God bless you so you stop serving him? The Bible says his blessing are without repentance. Amen? We've made promises to God. Lord, if I make a million, <laughs> I'll give a hundred thousand. Then you make a million, then your child goes to a school that you're paying more than you're paying before. Hey, God, you'll understand. Now, I need to pay school fees. <laughs> Can I come closer home? <laughs> Am I stepping on toes? I'm sorry if I'm stepping on toes, but I've sworn to tell you the truth from the word of God, so I'll speak the truth, all right? God has given us opportunities. Now, it is only a grateful person that God will supply more. If only we are grateful. If only we are thankful. If only we can say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of children. Some have cried like Hannah for many years. Lord, if only you op I just want one. Just one. But now we have children, but they are bothered <laughs> unto us. <laughs> Spouse, you cried before men. You stood on the altar. The preacher discouraged you in sickness, in pain, in good times, in hard times. You still said, yeah, 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 I do. All right? Why do you think we say vows? Those vows are meant to discourage you because the preacher of that said, you still want to marry this person, Pastor David? And they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The preacher is discouraging you. That's what he's doing. But we say, ah, no, 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 I made up my mind. This is it. Now you're crying, saying, no, no, God, I wish you take him away. If he goes ahead, maybe I'll serve you more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be grateful. Be grateful that God has given you a chance to have a spouse, to have a child, to have someone serving in your house. Be grateful. Amen. To drive a car. Alright? I was joking in the first service. I prayed before God. Oh God, remember me. Give me a car. Now he gives me a car. Now I sneak out of overnight cashers at 2 a.m. to go sleep. God will understand I'm going to work. Were you not going to work before? Okay, I'm sorry for stepping in. But a grateful person knows that God is sovereign. And because God is sovereign, I will serve and do his bidding until my last. May we rise up and close our eyes. And I want you to take your journey in your mind. I want you to remember God's faithfulness over you. I want you to remember the things he's done for you. The sickness that is taken away from our bodies. Amen. The lovely times is given you. The pain is given you. That has made us learn.